0: Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe, like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed two years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? (laughs) This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood and friend. I'm so thankful that you're back today listening to the program We've been talking with guests about deep faith questions, questions that some of us have um, as we journey through life. And today's guest I'm very excited to chat with um, as I talk to him about a topic that has uh, been something I've had questions about. In fact, recently, in fact, I think I've mentioned this here on the podcast before. um, A couple weeks ago, I came across some Barna Group research that was puzzling to me. In an article from February 2019 entitled Almost Half of Practicing Christian Millennials Say Evangelism is Wrong, there's a tension there about what's described as a readiness but not a willingness to talk about faith. Um, I know personally I've shared that talking about faith sometimes is looked at as taboo, as talking about politics during an election year. And in this particular article that I was reading um, across all generational groups that were uh, studied... People reported that being a witness for Jesus was an important aspect of faith, that was 95% or more, and someone coming to Christ is super important, yet as the name of the article suggests, almost half, that was 47% of millennials, and I don't believe they surveyed people younger, uh, like Generation Z, uh, 47% of millennials agreed on some level with the statement that it is wrong to share personal beliefs with someone else, hoping they will one day share the same faith. So to talk about um, evangelism and the gospel and to share a little bit more on this subject, I'm super excited to welcome today's guest. He's an associate professor at the largest Christian university in the world, Liberty University, along with classes on discipleship and writing curriculum for a program called COLE Camp and Outdoor Adventure Leadership. I hope I got that right. (laughs) He is also well-known on campus for teaching Evangelism 101. That sounds like uh, very interesting. In fact, thanks to the wonders of Google, I was able to read some of the reviews by his students, where one student recommended his class by saying, K.O. is one of the best teachers I have had by far. He is so understanding and has a big heart for his students. It's because of him I found my love for camp. And frankly, the reason why he's here is because one of his other former students recommended him so highly. So with that introduction, I'm very pleased to welcome Professor Keith Oglesby to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome, Keith.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much, Janelle, and thank you for having me. And I love what you're doing. And if there's a generation that we want to be keeping it real, um, man, this is the generation. (laughs) And I love your podcast. I love Uh, what you're doing for people across uh, the world and thank you for your ministry and for being willing actually to wrestle with these tough questions and I look forward to our time together
0: today. Wow, well thank you. (laughs) So Keith, did you grow up in a Christian home? How did you become so passionate about evangelism and sharing your faith with people?
1: Yeah, I did actually. I grew up in a Christian home. Both of my parents were believers, but I grew up uh, in an urban inner city area where there weren't very many other believers actually. So I was definitely the minority. It was not where the majority of the people were believers, but I think I developed my passion for evangelism even younger growing up by all the people who didn't know the gospel and trying to figure out why they didn't, or how could I best find commonality and connect with them, and, and I think our subject today is so relevant because, you know, the millennials, 47% of them, as we've just heard, think it needs to be taboo, or you don't want to seem pushy like you're pushing your belief system on someone else, but yet we're commanded in Scripture, according to God's Word, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So I think tension, I like how you use the word tension, is how do we live relationally intentional by loving others well, the way that Jesus loved Mm -hmm. others well, but not coming across as pushy or judgmental or arrogant or prideful. And um, we're just in in a situation where we need to navigate those waters well. And that's what makes this topic and actually your podcast so relevant.
0: So, for somebody listening right now who just wonders why why is it even important? Why would he command us to do this? Um, would you share the burden to share faith? Yeah. Um, what? Why is yeah, it important? Absolutely.
1: You know, evangelism is sharing good news. So let's talk about all the good news. You get a birthday present, you want to share good news. You go to a great movie, you go see Avengers in Time, you see the whole, like we love to share good news and we're commanded to share good news. In fact, statistically, if we uh, go eat at a brand new restaurant that moves into an area or in your strip center, or you go see this great movie, Statistically, they tell you within 24 hours, you're going to share that experience with someone. You'll be like, oh, we have to go. That cheesecake's unbelievable. Or if you had, you know, fried pickles or whatever the craziness thing. Like we share good news because it's relational. It's fun. We all want to go. We want to go. You know, the pumpkin spice is about to come out at Starbucks and we got to go because that means it's fall and everything that happens. Yet the greatest news that any of us have ever received is that there is a God and that God loved us so much that God created us in his image because Psalms 139 13 through 16 says that we are knit together in our mother's womb. We are fearfully and wonderfully made that all of our days were ordained before one of them came to be that God created everyone listening to this podcast right now. And in that creating, he created with a plan and that plan is first and foremost, that we could come to know him. He created us special, unique. You have different talents, different abilities, different gifts, different spiritual gifts. The God of the universe loves you. But because of the sin of Adam and Eve, that that initial creation was broken. And we're broken. That's why the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And And, and once we recognize that every one of us all have said, like we all, Janelle, you share, I share, Like all of us are broken. And so the passion is, if we know everyone around us is broken, but we have good news, we have the remedy. Like if we found a cure for cancer, we would not keep that to ourselves. If we could cure HIV, we wouldn't keep that to ourselves. If we could cure muscular dystrophy. But sin, we're all born with this virus and this coronavirus situation. Let me tell you, it's much more desperate for our soul and eternity than the coronavirus. We think wearing a mask now is uncomfortable. Eternity without the God who created us is going to be a whole new level of uncomfortable. So I think just for me passionately is that we want to share the good news that if we're born into a world that's fallen, a world that's broken, We all ask, and I love on your podcast and your blogs, like we all ask, like, do I matter? Why am I here? Where are you, God? Well, let me tell you something. We live in a fallen world that's broken, but God loved that world and loved every one of us so much. That's why at his appointed time, he sent Jesus. That is the story of Jesus. Mm. Jesus came to heal our brokenness. And because we've all experienced it, that's who Jesus is and and what Jesus is all about. So I'm passionate about sharing that. But Janelle, you're pretty limited, even with this amazing podcast. I'm pretty limited. (laughs) But if I can encourage and inspire and motivate all the believers out there to go and relationally Be involved in people's lives, they're going to be able to share the love of Jesus with people you're not going to reach, and I'm not going to reach. That's why it says, Therefore, go. Like, we're all called because we all have opportunities in a cubicle, someone's listening to, in a classroom where you are. You could be a teacher, doctor, lawyer, nurse, architect, doesn't matter what you do. The God of the universe can lead you relationally into opportunities to share the hope for the brokenness that people experience. So
0: hmm. Yeah, I I love that. Um I know I've shared this on the podcast, but um when I was a little girl, you know, I remember seeing somebody on a bus. I think I was 5 or 6 years old, and the guy just looked really sad. And I was with my mom and my little brother and I said anyone here who loves Jesus, raise their hand. (laughs) Because I thought, well, that will cheer him up. Remember that you love Jesus. At least that's how I remember it, uh, looking back. And nobody raised their hand. And so I said it louder, you know, anybody here who loves Jesus, raise their hand. And when no one else raised their hand, I looked at my mom, I think, who was a little embarrassed at me doing this in a metro bus. And I just said, Mommy, why isn't anyone raising their hands? And um, I wanted to share. You know, I had that burden. God gave me that natural burden. Um, when I was in high school, I had a, an excellent youth pastor who um, who shared about praying for a burden for the lost, for other people, a, a burden for people that God would answer that prayer. I mean, but I, I feel like. Um, and and correct me if I'm wrong, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but I think that a lot of people don't, um, number one, evangelism has kind of become a dirty word. Uh, We think of people on the sidewalk holding a sign, um, you know, are protesting, well, you know, forgetting the person, protesting the thing instead of, or or saying the thing instead of uh, thinking about the actual person, or um, we're just afraid of doing it wrong and offending somebody. So, how do you get over that and how do you do it right?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so, boy, that was a lot. I mean, I have a lot of, I know. Uh, no, no, that's a whole lot, but I <laughs> would say um, the number one reason that people don't share their faith is fear. It's number one, fear of what's this person going to think about me, fear of I may not do it right, fear of what if they ask me a question and I don't know the answer fear of what if they're very angry about having been broken or something they've experienced and they take this out on me and and I don't really know how to recover. They don't feel um, prepared. They don't feel socially agile to engage in that conversation. So I think we have to think about evangelism like we think about other things. If someone asks you about the facts about weather or meteorology, if people ask you facts about something else, I think that, um, The way you overcome fear is that, number one, you become very knowledgeable in what your go-to is for the best way to share the gospel. So I teach evangelism here. I teach about 30 ways to engage conversation to help people learn how to share the gospel. So, but that's more like a recipe. Like you can Google, how do I make chicken soup or how do I make wings or how do I make spaghetti? Like, so that's a recipe. But the way you overcome fear is in evangelism is that you find something that's comfortable for you. And what I've found, especially in this generation, and I think you would agree with me, Janelle, is that people relate to story. Like you've just told me this story about screaming on a bus. Someone might not even know like. What we're talking about, what's going on, right like, remember when Janelle told that story about screaming on the bus, if you love, like <laughs> we relate to story. That's how yeah. we relate. So I think one of the most effective ways for us to share the gospel and make the word evangelism, not a taboo subject, but to incorporate it in day-to-day life is by helping people learn literally just how to share their own story, their own testimony. People like mm-hmm. to hear testimony. They, they like it. And in my evangelism class here at Liberty University, we teach people how to share your story in about two minutes, just a very short, and then maybe a, like a 10 or a 15 minute if you have a morphing age. And then that might lead to potentially you could have coffee or meet someone or have lunch, a dorm mate, someone, or on the sidewalk where you maybe have an hour. But we try to help people um, use their own personal story. When you share your own story, it does several things. And you know this probably, but just for your listeners, when you're willing to share your own story, number one, you're saying, I'm not perfect. You know, that Mm -hmm. brokenness we were speaking of, let me tell you about my brokenness. Let me share my story. Well, number one, you could immediately, when when you have the courage, and you lovingly share your own story, you can see, literally see the person relax. You'll see their body language, their shoulders are kind of, you you will break down barriers and walls. You will start to take off the layers of the onion or melt the mask because now they're saying, wow, this person really struggled with this issue or this is the home they grew up in or this is what they've had to overcome. It immediately makes the gospel more personal and more relevant because the per- now you're connecting with a person. It's not a story; it's your story, and so mm. that's so important, especially with an unbeliever, that because you're not just sharing like the story from a Bible that could be a fable or true or not true, but this is me as a human being and my brokenness, and and, and it brings out empathy and compassion toward people relationally. And so Mm -hmm. I just think that for your listeners out there, one of the things that's most powerful is this is who I was. Then I had this encounter. Someone introduced me to the gospel. Someone shared a Bible story. I went to an event. I went to a concert. My next door neighbor brought me cookies, whatever that is. This is who I was. This is how I heard the gospel and learned the gospel. And over a period of time, You know, one of the things I encourage my students with is most people, I mean, statistically, you have to hear the gospel seven times, statistically, to respond to the gospel. So you might be planting the seed, as you know. You might be watering other people's seed. You might get to harvest a seed you had nothing to do with. So, I mean, most of the time, if someone immediately, like, hears the gospel and wants to pray and receives that, that's a grandparent who's been on their knees for years and years and years, mm-hmm. or a parent with a wayward son, or a Sunday school teacher who's planted seeds. Like, but man, when you share your story, you don't know where someone is in their uh, transformational journey with Christ. And so, we're the great news about evangelism. I tell my students this all the time: it's not up to you. It's up to you to be faithful. To make the gospel attractional and loving. If they leave there that conversation feeling loved, and respected, and valued, you've shared the agape. But it's that that bring next time they see you, they're like, I left that conversation last time with Janelle or with Keith, and I want to engage that conversation again. So we want to invite them through loving them well to continue the conversation to keep it going is overcome the fear by learning a method that you feel comfortable with and incorporate your own life story and testimony we all like to hear stories of our favorite sports athletes our favorite celebrities our favorite athletes our our favorite actors we like to hear where did they come from what was their transformation like and and that's the story of jesus is his transformation work in all of our lives
0: yeah, I love that. I, I like what you said about we have, uh, you know, we don't know what the results will be, and it's not up to us. Yes. I think it was, um, I want to say it was Frank Turek um, on Elisa Childers' podcast. They were talking, or maybe it was his podcast, I don't know, but they were talking about um, his ministry, and he does an apologetics ministry. I think it's called Cross-Examined. Yeah. Um, I could be getting all these details wrong. I'm sorry if I am. Uh, I'll put them in the podcast notes. But anyway, um, they were talking and he said, you know how many people I've led to the Lord? Very few. He goes, but do you know what I am? I'm a waterer, like a gardener. You know, I go in there and I plant the seeds. And he goes, that's my my place in the kingdom. But I I guess I want to ask you a question because growing up in the church, and I know some of the people listening to this podcast have grown up in church, Um, I know that I've taken spiritual gifts analysis before. Mm -hmm. And along those lines, there's always one that says evangelism. And as somebody who's been in plenty of Bible studies and different groups, and uh, worked with um, different women of different ages, it seems like evangelism is kind of looked at as a gift. Either I have it, or I don't. Mm. (laughs) And so what would you say to that? Because I do think that we're all gifted in different ways, but the command is the same. So how do you reconcile that?
1: Yeah, I think that's a fantastic question. Um, Dr. Wheeler, who's the author of our book, Evangelism Is, and one of our greatest, he's the director of evangelism here. um, He would say that evangelism is not a spiritual gift. It's a command that God gives to all believers. So fortunately for us, we are not just reliant on the pastors and the missionaries and the full-time clergymen, it's not their responsibility alone to be sharing the gospel. It is one of their responsibilities to be proclaiming the word of God and sharing the gospel. But, But so what we would say is that there's the work of the evangelist, but we are all called to share the gospel but we can share the gospel in a variety of ways you can share the gospel in you know in a soup kitchen in a salvation army in helping girls recover from sex trafficking like we can share the gospel to specific populations in specific ways and do those things but the way to reconcile those two is we're all called to the work of evangelism every believer has a responsibility in obedience to the command we're commanded To share the gospel we're all here today because the disciples were faithful in the command to fulfill That's why in acts 1 8. It says what you'll be my witnesses the power of the holy spirit and you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem Samaria and Judea and the ends of the earth. Well, we're the ends of the earth until he returns And so they were faithful with that command if they had not been faithful We might have a very different conversation going on right here today. So it is the work of all believers to be actively involved in evangelism and sharing the gospel. But you could have people, you do have people, who have the call of the evangelist. And that's Mm -hmm. different. That's Ephesians 4, 9 through 13, like the work of the evangelist. So Billy Graham, of course, had a heart for evangelism. When you talk to Billy Graham and hear the testimonies, you can hear when he's on buses and he's in a taxi cab and he he greets someone in the hotels that he was an evangelist on stage, off stage, whatever, but he had that charisma, that dynamic, the gift of an evangelist. So we're not all called to be Billy Graham. There's there are people who have the work of the evangelist, Louis Palau, Billy Graham. Um, pulse uh, with pulse ministry, like all the different uh, Nick Hall with pulse, like so there's, there's a gift of the evangelist. So the evangelist is a calling on a person's life that God supernaturally has empowered and embedded and done that. But then yet we all have the work of evangelism. And mm-hmm. so we are um, involved in sharing, actively sharing the gospel. So there are some and I teach, uh, there's a video in my intro class of, of my life. We're not, we're not calling everyone to have the evangelist call on their life to be the next Billy Graham. But we are called in obedience to scripture to be involved in the work of watering, the work of evangelism. Um, there's a great, uh, I don't know if it's a podcast, but there's a great conversation between Francis Chan and David Platt um, and, and multiply on the YouTube channel. And, um, I don't, I'm not getting paid any promotion or whatever, but they talk about this tension between evangelism and discipleship and this evangelism and sharing. And this is the quote is that, uh, David Platt one act once asked an evangelist, and I don't remember the name, but I could go back and look at it or we could, but as the evangelist, like, so how many people tonight you know, came forward, or answered, or came to the altar, did whatever, like, how many of those decisions do you believe were genuine and sincere, because there's another argument by atheists and agnostics, like, it's an emotional movement, it's whatever, and the evangelist said, I actually have no idea at all, he said, but in six months to a year, we'll have a great indication,
0: Hmm.
1: you know, so Who's going to walk along the side and take those who have made a step forward in faith and get them plugged into a church and into a small group? There could be people on this podcast today. Maybe you came forward at a church service or at an event or a stadium event or a concert. Maybe you were eight years old. Maybe you were 12 years old, but your parents didn't go to church. Your friends, you didn't want to tell anyone. And and you might just be struggling with that tension of, am I a Christian? Am I not a Christian? I don't really go to church, but now I'm married, and is my husband or my wife going to think it's crazy if I just wake up and want to go to church or want to get involved? Well, man, every day, I I, I tell people, you can run a million miles away from the church, away from the gospel, or away from Jesus, and you're only one step back into fellowship with him, and and that's the beauty, that, that Jesus isn't a, a judge he's not in the old testament that that Jesus loves you and he he loves you and he desires for you to to come home like he's calling you he mm-hmm. desires to have relationship with you and if you're living in habitual sin or whatever that's okay that's what he died for you, you can turn today at this podcast at this moment it doesn't matter if you're watching this the day it airs or five years from now that you can come into relationship with the God of the universe who created you through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And that's why he died. That's the truth of the gospel. And it's for the here and now. Is it for eternity? Absolutely. You will at that moment have the opportunity to live in eternity in communion with the God who created you. Or you could continue to struggle with loneliness doubt you can you could continue your run away from the gospel and away from the truth of who God is and you're going to struggle here and now and your here and now is not guaranteed that's the truth of evangelism the truth is we're not guaranteed tomorrow and so we don't want Janelle doesn't want I don't want your parents don't want your pa- we don't want anyone to suffer the consequences of not having the opportunity to repent of their sin ask for forgiveness and begin that journey with jesus christ because the consequence of that whether you believe it or not just because you don't believe it doesn't mean it's not true because the truth of the gospel according to the bible which was written over 1800 years by 40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages yet doesn't have one single mistake in it like you can't even type an email without your thumb hitting the wrong like you you can't type anything without spell check we're all a nervous wreck we have a book here 66 books canonized that is the the scripture the authoritative scripture i don't believe that okay well you don't have to believe in gravity either but it is pulling you to the center of the earth at a negative 32.2 degrees per second right now say I don't believe in gravity okay it's still controlling you you don't have to believe in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ you really don't but when you look in the mirror tonight and you brush your teeth you're looking at his handiwork you can deny how you got here but you can't deny who created you and that who desires deep personal intimate relationship with you that's his greatest desire so there's an evangelist who speaks into whatever but our role in evangelism is just living life relational jesus the master evangelist set the example of meeting people exactly where they are in the legion of tombs there was a guy if you don't know the story he, he had a legion. He had all these demons. Demon-possessed man lives in the tombs, in the graveyard. They try to shackle him. They tried to chain him. They tried to put him down. Jesus comes. What do they do? The demons recognize Jesus. Even the demons recognize Jesus. They knew the name of Jesus. And what do they ask? They beg for mercy. So what does he do? He says, okay, you want to go to the pigs? Here you go. Pigs run down. They're drowned. The man sitting there in his right mind. Jesus going to heal Jairus's daughter, a high profile, a high ranking official. He sees his faith on his way. A woman reaches out. She's been bleeding for 12 years. She's healed instantly. Jesus sees Zacchaeus in a tree. Zacchaeus, get down out of that tree. He's a tax collector. He's an outlier. He pulls him down. Jesus walking through Samaria, meets the woman at the well, sends the disciples to get food, has this incredible conversation. I know That you are broken. I know that you've had six husbands, but I'm not worried about all of that. I want you to know there's relationship. There's healing. Jesus would meet people exactly where they are. He didn't say, come and find me. He went to them, and we are called to go to them. Church is a great place. I'm all about the local church, super involved. I love all of that. that. That is where we meet. Jesus is coming back to get his church, the bride, but you cannot just I expect people, especially today, to come to the church to hear the gospel. We have to go out and be in our neighborhoods and be in our offices. That's what lifestyle evangelism is. You're living it. You're proclaiming it. You're teaching it. You're loving others well through it. I know. It has to be edited. Sorry, Janelle. <laughs>
0: no, it doesn't have to be edited. Here I am. It's great. You know what? I love it. And I love that you're using the gifts God's given you. I think you're an evangelist um, <laughs> with the tea. Um I guess I have a couple questions. Sure. Um, one, uh, I've heard this quote used in various forms uh, to for various points, um, and I'm guessing you'll know who it's attributed to. I, I want to say Francis of Assisi, but I'm not sure. Um, Preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. Yeah, that's St.
1: Francis of Assisi, yes.
0: Okay. What do you say to that for people who maybe use that as a way of saying... Um, you know, actually telling people about your faith is antiquated, or it's the old way of doing it. I'd yeah. rather social justice is the way to go, and people will see a difference in in that kind of living.
1: Yeah, great question, boy. I love your line of questioning. You're really on point right there. Uh, so this is what I would say to that. I think you have to do both. I think you have mm-hmm. to live it and proclaim it. Um, uh matt chandler has an incredible book called the explicit gospel and matt chandler is a a pastor down the village church in dallas texas but he has a podcast and he's pretty well known in our demographic but in the explicit gospel he gives this example and i think it applies here so i think we have to live it saint francis C is right he takes this guy this young mentor around if you don't know the story he's a priest and he goes and this young guy up and coming really wants to see saint francis i'm going to go with saint francis and he wants to hear him preach and teach and do all that and and saint francis spends the entire day like giving food and and meeting and praying and healing and he doesn't get up he doesn't speak he doesn't do all this stuff and the young apprentice at the end of the day says well we didn't proclaim the gospel we did whatever and saint francis makes the famous line you know we preach the gospel today we live the gospel we demonstrated the gospel today so preach the gospel when necessary use words and a great illustration a great story but we're actually commanded and called to do both and matt chandler in an explicit gospel says that in the biblical times The king, who a lot of times they were paranoid and they had walls and they had a cupbearer, like the kings would do all these things to protect themselves. But one of their right-hand people, in addition to the cupbearer, was a person or a position called the herald. And the role of the herald is when the king would decide everybody has to be in bed at sundown or there's a threat coming. When the king had something to say, he would write the order, he would write the law, write the decree. And then the herald would go out, stand on the platform over the people. They would assemble all of the people. And the herald would proclaim, thus saith the king. And he would say whatever the new law was. And the herald didn't write the law or write the precept or write the command. But he was the one, his job was to proclaim it, to announce it, to tell it, to verbally communicate what the new law was that was going to happen. Well, our King, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has given us his word, but we need people who are going to herald it. They're going to speak it. If you claim and you proclaim to be a Christian, people watch. How do you handle adversity? How do you handle the division that our that our country is going through right now. And I don't know if we want to date this podcast, but in the United States of America with all the different division, be it political, be it social justice issues. But that's an easy answer, especially from evangelists, is God created all people in his image. That doesn't just mean your physical image. It means you're created with a soul. And your soul inside of you, it's what houses the Incredible holy spirit that if you're a believer you get everyone's born with a physical body everyone's born with a soul the question is where is your soul today tonight this evening going to live forever see that's what hangs in the balance that's what hangs in where jesus is who jesus is in your life is that do you believe that jesus christ was god's one and only son Do you believe that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of all of mankind for all time? And do you believe that three days later, he rose again? Like, that's the pinnacle. Because if you believe that, then you have the incredible gift of God's Holy Spirit living inside of that soul, inside of you, indwelling you, incredibly. In dwelling inside of you which means that that soul and that holy spirit is going to live in heaven forever he tells us in john in my father's house there's many many rooms i go there now to prepare a place for you that where i am there you may also be but if you don't believe who jesus is and what jesus did for you and you reject that truth then you don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then your soul, the in part, the inner part of your man, the inner man and the inner woman inside of you is also eternal. It will live eternally, but it will live eternally in a real, a literal place called hell, which is just separated from heaven. And I'm not trying to get like all, you know, preachy and all just, but that's just the reality of what hangs at the balance. That's That's where every human being is is born. We're we're born into that reality. It's what we do with that truth. And so going back to your question, St. Francis of Assisi, is that we can't assume if someone watches or sees someone behave in a certain way, they're going to connect the dots on their own to know that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for them And that they could be indwelled by the Holy Spirit. They have to be taught. That has to be heralded. That has to be told. That has to be proclaimed so that people understand how to enter into that relationship with the God of the universe through his one and only son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Bart Miller, who is the um, lead singer for Mercy Me. And Mercy Me is a contemporary music group. Some of you guys won't know who that is, but you can go Google them. They've got, they're just amazing. But he was- I can only was, imagine
0: came out in theaters uh, two years ago, I think it was. And it was uh, one of the top uh, box office hits of 2018, I believe. Yeah,
1: it was. So that Bart Miller from I Can Only Imagine. So my wife went to high school with Bart Miller and they sang in a choir and traveled and did things together. They're really, really good friends. And um, I was just- I was busy with. Him. I was talking to him one time, and I was asking him about this line in one of his songs, like "Hallelujah, He lives in me." So we talk about the Holy Spirit and dwelling and living inside of you. And I was asking about that. And most of your listeners probably have seen. I could only imagine, or if not, they should go rent it on Netflix or Hulu or go check it out. But so this Bart Miller, I was talking to him about that, and I can only imagine is another great story where his dad died, and you watch the whole movie and all that. But I was asking about this line. Hallelujah. He lives in me. And he said, Art Miller is very visual. Like when he writes and his songwriting, he's he's just a visual. Some of us are visual. Some of us are auditory. But he just said he had this vision in his quiet time where he was walking through heaven. He was walking through heaven, down the streets of gold, crystal sea, holy hall is Lord God Almighty. And he was meeting and seeing All these incredible people of the Bible, can you imagine like King David and Nehemiah and Esther and Moses and like just what that's going to be like? Therefore, we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Let us throw up anything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. And let us focus our eyes or fix our eyes on Jesus, author and the perfecter of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So we're surrounded by all these witnesses. We're in heaven. You're there that day. You've already made a decision. You're following him. And he was just like, can you imagine like when we're talking to like Paul, what kind of conversation do you have with Moses? Like, what is this going to be? Life is unbelievable. So he's like, so I just pull up a chair. I'm sitting here with Moses. We're chatting. You hold up the rod. The Red Sea's there. The Egyptians are bearing down on you on one side. The Red Sea's on the other. Like, what do we do? Like, what's this going to be like? And in Exodus 14, 14, it says, be still. God's about to do something amazing. You're like, oh, Cause you don't know. It's like, Ooh, awesome. Ooh. you know, you know what's going to happen. <laughs> All right. So you're like, God's going to do this amazing thing. So Bart Miller, he's walking through, he's having this conversation with Moses and he said, man, Moses, what was it like? Like, were you like scared? Were you nervous? Did you know what was going to like, what, what did it feel like? And Bart Miller said, I just had this vision that Moses said to me, well, I'll tell you that Bart, but first, Can you tell me, like when you were down there on earth, what was it like to have God's presence live inside of you? Because when I was there in the Old Testament, like he would lead us by smoke during the day and by fire at night. But like I would have to climb up to Mount Sinai. And he put me in a cleft in a rock. He put his hand over it, and I would hear his voice every time. But he was like external. He was like God the fuck, Like when you were down there, you had it easy. You had him right inside of you. You had his, his wisdom. You had his comfort. You had his conviction. Like, what was that like? Wow. Like, wow. To be in 12 by the God in Genesis who said, let there be light and 186,000 miles per second, light proceeded from the mouth of God. Like to be indwelled by the one who had armies walk around that wall in Jericho and scream and it comes tumbling down outwardly where all of the people are all saved. To be led like the apostle Paul on three missionary journeys who wrote 13 of the New Testament books and planted all the churches Wrote the letters that we have today and took the time and had the intellect and his incredible conversion from Saul, persecutor, trying to eliminate the way, trying to eliminate Christianity altogether, and becomes the most powerful spokesperson outside of Jesus Christ himself in the New Testament. And you're listening to this podcast and you think you've gone too far? You think you don't have hope? You think Jesus doesn't love you anymore he loves you Mm -hmm. He, he, he died for you and you have a chance to not only go to heaven but to have his indwelling inside of you something that Moses Joseph and King David they never had it's like Christmas morning all the gifts are under the tree but if you don't ever open them, if you don't open the box, you're denying yourself a gift. And it's right there waiting on you right now.
0: So good. It's interesting. Uh, you mentioned Francis Chan earlier. Yeah. Um, if I could ever meet one person on this side of glory, it would be Francis Chan. Mm. And
1: um, Interesting. He, uh, He's very yeah. approachable. He's, you could get to him. <laughs>
0: Well, it's hard to find how to reach him. He's not on social media, you know, and now he's in Hong Kong, so who knows. But um, anyway, uh, his book and his ministry had a major impact on my ministry. But um, he does a whole sermon about what you just described um, with uh, your friend, um, which is, you know, you want Moses, but you can go straight to God. You can have his Holy Spirit. You can have that. Yeah, And I love that sermon. And he talks about, you know, the celebrity culture and about, you know, having his name on the cover of magazines and stuff and his face and how that feels good. But really, it's the ability for us to approach God and to have him with us, you know, Emmanuel, God with us. Yeah. Um, I did want to ask you, though, um, a question, because a couple times now you've touched on a couple things um, and uh, gone by quickly over them, but I think... There's a bigger thing that I want to talk about, which is you mentioned that fear is the number one reason why people don't want to do evangelism, which I totally understand. Um, and I love how you shared about it being you know, how we live and what we, what we share in love with others. So true. Um, but it's, it's hard, I think, because um, there's topics that we don't want to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to talk about hell right? Because yeah. uh, that's an, a taboo topic, even for a lot of Christians nowadays. Yeah. I mean, I remember going to, I don't want to date myself, but a long time ago, going to camp, a Christian camp, and mentioning hell and being told by my counselor, we don't talk about hell, Janelle. <laughs> I was like, oh, um it- I mean, I, I grew up on the West Coast, so. <laughs> yeah. wow. but also um, you talked a little bit briefly about, you know, you don't have to talk about the Bible and whether it's fables and all these different things, but there's a lot of people who believe that. So when we open ourselves up to something so personal as sharing our faith with others, which is can be very terrifying, especially if we've never done it before. Let's say we're in a close relationship with somebody that we love and they're going through a hard time and naturally we start to share our faith. Um, and I, I know this from personal experience, naturally, other questions start to come out of that, right? Yeah. Other opportunities, like what you were saying, more coffee, more uh, opportunities to share. I um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Nabil Qureshi and how he became a believer with David Wood, and there was this back and forth. Uh, Nabeel Qureshi was a, a speaker for Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, and he was Muslim, and so it was this back and forth for two or three years between them. And for some of us, it's very scary because maybe we don't want to talk about hell. Maybe we don't feel like we have the answers. Maybe, you know, we believe the Bible, but we're not sure why. So what advice would you give to the person who is looking further down the line going, I don't want to open up that can of worms because I'm scared of where this may lead.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I think most people that listen to this podcast would understand, um, the term risk and, um, it's a risk reward. Like we're willing to take a risk if we feel like the reward is great enough, but we feel vulnerable when we're going to share our faith, because if you don't share your faith often, then the first hurdle is, um, not to be Barbara Bush, people don't know what that is, but just say no the first time. So when you get offered drugs and alcohol, just say no, you know, like, <laughs> but if you've never shared your faith at all, like you've never, um, you know, I, I directed Christian camps for a long time. We haven't talked about that much, but I directed camps down in Houston, Texas. And one of the most beautiful things that we had every year is we would have a lot of counselors on our staff that had never got to really sit down one-on-one and help someone pray and start their journey, begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the very first time they that anyone does that, it's just so overwhelming. You you feel so undeserving that God would allow you to just sit in that space and watch God do something beautiful in the life of someone else. It's just a it's really just it's a front row seat to how God changes and transforms. I mean, you're there, but you're just there as the spectator. God's the one doing that, but how it just energizes you and you like think, Oh, and so the very first time it's overwhelming, but then the second time it gets a little easier. The third time it gets easier. Like I tell people a lot of times sharing your faith is like any skill that you pick up. Like the first time you got on a bicycle you either had training wheels or someone next to you kind of holding the handlebars and helping. So one of the best ways is go with someone else or be with someone else and hear how they do it and be involved in the conversation, but it's not solely response; you're not re- solely responsible for it and, and see how that transpires, how that progression, how you just start with a conversation with someone and then eventually lead them into a spiritual conversation And and also, it helps them see that most of the time when you share your faith, people don't respond immediately or you keep the conversation going. And so I think part of that fear and the risk is, um, am I willing to share with this family member that I'm close to or this friend that I have? Or it's a new friendship or I just started at work and I have a brand new job and I don't want them to think like, oh, no, they're like and so. You do things well, you show up early, you're living the Christian life. Maybe you're not, you know, cursing or going out to happy hour afterwards with everyone. You're friendly and you're inviting. You're not gossiping about other people around the, you know, break room or coffee room or the teacher's lounge. So you're living, it's the St. Francis, you're living it, but you're just a little cautious about that, um, how you should share and when you should share. I will stop here and kind of pause. I haven't said this very much in this podcast, but prayer is essential in timing. Like when you prayerfully discern, is this the moment, not the moment? And the reason I say that is some some of your listeners are probably believers and they struggle with sharing their faith. They're believers, they wanna share their faith. They're just, they have fear, they have trepidation. But if you will pray about the opportunity for that door to open, Sometimes other people will flat ask you. Like the Lord, he'll break, he'll answer that prayer. They'll just say, like, like so Janelle, how do you say so calm? Like when your child breaks an arm or this happens or you get this, you get news. I'm not saying that's a bad example. Arm. I'm not
0: calm. <laughs> say that again. I said that's a bad example, Keith. I'm I'm not very calm.
1: Oh, <laughs> I need okay. help with
0: that. That's not an area I'm sanctified in.
1: <laughs> there you go. I'm kidding. Well, it's the prayer, you know. But, but prayer gives you the confidence. Sometimes it just tells you, you know. Sometimes because you've been praying for this person or this event or this encounter, then it's just it's almost like the golfer's term: the ball's been set on the tee; it's right there. It's like, oh, here it is. Like it's it's a very opportunistic moment that just happens. And maybe you're walking back from a meeting, or something happens, or. It's just an unusual circumstance. You bump into that person. You run into them at Starbucks or just whatever. The Lord just provides some of those divine opportunities. But back to the risk, what I'm trying to say is um, it takes confidence. Like You have to say, okay, I've been praying for this person, and I'm willing. I care enough about them to share what's really important to me. And I'm not sharing with them so they'll think more of me. I'm sharing with them because if I don't share with them, then they have the potential of not entering into a relationship with Christ. And and that's the risk-reward. The risk is I might temporarily slow down my relationship or have a, a kind of an odd relationship it usually doesn't break fellowship they're just kind of like oh you know like but the reward is if they continue the conversation or they don't know the lord you've now planted a seed and water a seed and the reward is for them like you're gonna be fine other than if something were to happen to them then you think all those opportunities i didn't take advantage of it And we don't want to live in a world of regret. I'm not saying that in any way. I'm a very half full guy, me. Like, if you miss an opportunity, pray about it. And next time, take that opportunity. Like, learn from like, oh, that's what that prompting felt like. Oh, I didn't really take advantage of that. Okay, next time, I don't want that. It might be the same person, it might be a different person. But you kind of feel like, you know, okay, last time I didn't take advantage of this. This time, I want to step out in faith and do that, and so um, with our millennials, as you mentioned earlier, a lot of times it is hard for them to have the courage. Um, I think that uh, fear requires courage, like to overcome fear, you have to be brave, and so you have to determine through, you ask the Holy Spirit to give you strength, to give you courage, and and be strong and courageous, as we hear in his work, that's what one night, like You know, when David went out there, he didn't go in Saul's armor. He was facing Goliath and he had to show tremendous courage. And and we have to have courage that's driven by our love for God, which drives us to love other people, to care more about their eternal destination than their perception of us. Mm -hmm. So let me say that again. It's love that drives us, love which comes, it originates with God god's love for us that he drives through us toward other people so that we can share that love and what he did and we care more about their salvation and their eternal destination than their perception of us because at worst case they'll be like oh well you know jesus is really important to them but he's not that important to me but okay i mean we're still filing we're still an attorney we're still making architecture designs we're still pharmaceuticals we're still you know what so whatever that is it's like Oh, because a lot of those people also think, well, that works for them, but I don't want them pushing their idea on me. And we don't want to be pushing. We want to be inviting and loving. So we won't manipulate people to the cross. We'll love them to the cross. And that's what, as Christians, sometimes we don't do well. As Christians, many times, we, what do we get called as Christians? Judgmental hypocrites like, oh well they love Jesus, but I heard them tell a lie. They love Jesus, but they speak. They love Jesus, but they have wine with their time. So they're always looking under under the microscope, you know, at like, well, they claim Jesus, but and so, you know, that's kind of the thing.
0: If that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And I I appreciate all of that. Um I know something for me that's really helped me is having some practical resources. One book that I read that I I recommend um, Share Jesus Without Fear by yes, William Faye. Yeah, I, um, I love the tips he shares in here, and I've actually tried this a few different times, mm-hmm. the things that he does. But anyway, uh, I in fact, I, what I had was I had this Bible that you could put little notes in, like a really cool um, leather-bound Bible that I could put a rope around. And then you can write in the margins. It's meant to be like a journal Bible, and these are really popular right now, so... You might already have one of these. And then you can write down uh, the scripture verse and point an arrow to the one you want to go to next. And uh, I had walked through the gospel with a few different uh, gals that way, and it was such a practical thing. And are there any other uh, resources that you would recommend for somebody who might uh, be wanting to share more, but wants to just dig a little deeper before they?
1: Yeah, I love the Bill Faye resource, Share Jesus Without Fear. Uh, In a summary, he engages people by asking them questions. The whole method of that is you ask questions, you know, and and that invites people into the conversation. Do you ever think about spiritual things? I mean, that's a very open-ended non-threatening question like you do or you don't. Well, you know, and then you, you kind of ask them and then just to, to the point of like, well, if what you believe is not true, would you want to know? And most people are like, well, if I, yeah, if I think something's wrong, then I, I kind of want to know, but if not, and so, I love that. I think that's a great resource. Um, Another great resource is um, The Way of the Master, and Mm -hmm. it is um, Kirk Cameron, which many of our audience might know, and Ray Comfort. And um, it's basically an evangelistic tool that compares evangelism or salvation to the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments are more widely accepted, especially among our Muslim or Islamic friends and Old Testament people. And the Ten Commandments are generally less um controversial they're less confrontational because people are like you know oh it's the 10 commandments it's moses they've seen Ben her at least you know and so um so that's a really good resource there's also a couple great phone apps so for our millennials they're all about the phone you know so there's an app now called the story very very well done you could just google just go to the story.com you can download it on your phone and the story, it's literally like a three-minute video that you could show someone while you're on the bus riding to class when you're know—but really, you're having coffee with someone. And it tells the Bible narrative, especially if someone's a little nervous or feel like they don't have a lot of confidence in the Bible. It's very, gra- like very graphically well done. It's very beautiful, cinematic. It's, it's great. But it's called the Story app. There's another app if you're in a more professional setting out there. Um, It's called Three Circles, and um, it's literally uh, like a hand, a graphic hand, drawing the gospel on a napkin, and so it's like circle number one, and it kind of talks about it, and it draws these different things, and then it goes to circle number two, but it's called the Three Circles app, and it's really, really well done clean. Again, both of these are like two minutes, three minutes, so they're great apps that you can use as, a, I mean, everybody, like you could share it with someone just like, Hey man, I saw this. I was cool. What do you think about this? Like, just do the whole, like, this is kind of a cool, gra- have you ever seen anyone? Like the pencil would do the thing. Like I think this is graphically pretty cool. And then they're like, yeah, it looks kind of cool. You're like, and then you move to what it was saying. And so um, there's another one called um, I think it's uh, the gospel in six words. It's more of a wrap and it's in a parking garage and it's very, uh, edgy. It's very uses, uh, it's, it, it is, um, I'm pretty sure it's called the gospel in six birds. It might just be called gospel, but, uh, I haven't seen it in, in a while. So, but it's a super great resource. Um, Romans road, you can obviously, you know, we, we all know that cause we're all like, Oh yeah, Romans road. But, um, there's another uh, method called, um, one verse of evangelism, where you just take Romans um, 6.23, and and you just break down that one exact verse, like the wage and what a wage is, and sin and death. You got a wage, and you got sin, and you got death, and none of us want that, all right? So versus a wage, you have a gift. So on the opposite side of a wage, instead of working for something, you have this gift that's it's waiting on you. It's waiting on our audience right now. There's a gift for those who don't, they may not like it, they may not want to open it, That's okay, but it's still there. When they wake up tomorrow, it's still under the tree. And if they wake up five years from now, it's still under the tree. And if they wake up 40 years from now, it's still under the tree. And if they wake up in prison, it's under the tree. And if they're on their deathbed, it's under the tree. And if they get diagnosed with cancer, I mean, the gift is there. You can look at it, you can kick it, you can walk around it, you can pretend like it's not there, but it's there. It's not going anywhere. And so, um, but so we have, which sin is death, but the gift of God, and so this gift has an origin, like you have an origin. So God's given us this gift is eternal life versus death is life because you have death or you have life. So one verse evangelism is a very simple, balanced, easy kind of thing. And it's really good for people kind of with a works background. A lot of people think, well it can't be that easy. I mean I mean you got to do something. Come on, you have to do something and you do. You have to believe. That's why in the book of John the word believe is used 99 times. It's because it's the the belief that's what faith is. Without faith it's impossible to please God. So, you know, like and then of course James we can get into the, the whole works thing with the book of James and so we work and we serve and we love out of the overflow. We're not working for salvation but From the blessing that we have, that we have salvation, which drives us to serve others well, to love others well, to be involved in other people's lives and to love people around us. And so we really we want to live well. We want we want the motive of our existence to be living and modeling St. Francis of Assisi heralding, which is Matt Chandler and what the Herald did, because we're here to herald the precepts of the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. And we want to do it in a very loving, a very kind, a very evangelical way. We want to do it in such a way that's attractional. And, and as believers, when we're not attractional, we're not being very much like Jesus. And so that's, you know, that's our goal.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love your passion. Uh, it's very clear that you, you love people and you love God and want to um emphasize that prayer piece and that uh, Holy Spirit empowering us you know once yes. you I, I think in my personal experience when I step out in faith, so to speak on the water right the water of oh, <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. share my faith right now um, I'm gonna go there It's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to you know do the work and so often um, I'm guessing this is true for you too but when I'm having a conversation with someone who's an unbeliever and they're seeking and I think right now, So many of us have more opportunities to have those conversations because people are hurting right now. They're struggling. This is a hard time for so many people for various reasons. But during those conversations, I'm praying in my head, you know, asking God just to give me wisdom, guide this conversation as you would, and help me not to, you know, look ahead, but to just be in the moment loving this person right now. Help me to be your hands and feet. I just feel like that's so important. And we don't have to know all the answers. We have a God who does. Um, and yeah, so anyway, I just appreciate uh, you sharing.
1: But he also tells us in his word, even if you stand before kings and governors, do not worry about what to say mm-hmm. for the Holy Spirit will speak through you. So we have the confidence when we when we rely on the Holy Spirit and we seek him also to know it won't be us speaking anyway. We have the promise of God that he will do the one who does the speaking Okay,
0: sorry. Yes, you're right. I love that reminder that that's actually not just a thought that, or something that I've tested and found to be true. It's actually from scripture. Keith, one final question I ask all of my guests before they leave. The Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration or redemption. Eternity, authenticity, and love. It's an acronym for real, but I couldn't decide on which... T- one to use for R, so it's restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. Which of those gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ stands out to you the most in your life right now, and why?
1: Tough, because I like all of them. I mean, I was actually reading that I read them when I agreed with your uh, person uh, a month or so ago, and then I read them about a week ago when I was studying in preparation for this, and then I read them this afternoon several times um so i think they're all unique it's very literally very difficult to pick one but i think because of my heart and who i am and you would probably guess based on our conversation so far (laughs) but i'm gonna have to take our restorative or redemptive because we are all candidates for redemption we're 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 born needing redemption And redemption is a renewal. Redemption is um, celebrating that he died on the cross for us and knowing that his redemptive work is continually the sanctifying work in us. That it's his atoning sacrifice that gives us complete healing and total restoration, but it's his redemption. His job description in one sentence is seek and save the lost. Like, Jesus came here on a mission. Did he feed 5,000? Definitely. Did he walk on water? Sure he did. Did he heal the woman of bleeding? Yes. Did he cast out the demons from the man of legions? Absolutely. Did, like, like, we could go on and on. Did he teach the parables of the Sermon on the Mount? Like, we could go on and on. But at the end of the day, he was here missionally living, meaning living to fulfill his mission, which was to restore all of humanity All of mankind for all time. So in the Old Testament, they have to have the atoning sacrifice once a year. But from the time of Jesus, the one time blood sacrifice, atonement, propitiation for the forgiveness of all of humanity for all time. No one was qualified to be that sacrifice because no one else has ever lived a sinless life. Only Jesus Christ only Jesus was the was qualified to be the redemption of all of mankind. And that's what happened on the cross that day. And three days later, he rose again to redeem us, to bring all of humanity, give us a bridge and an on-ramp and an opportunity to be reunited with God the Father only through him. That's why John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, the truth. Mm-hmm in the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's what Jesus himself said. That's not what a commentary says. That's not what the New York Times says. That's not what our culture says. That's what Jesus himself said. I came to seek and save the lost. While we were yet sinners, Romans 5 8, God demonstrated his love to us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us So I think being real is all of those things and love it. I think real, it's the R and it's the first letter and it's the first step. It starts with realizing that Jesus Christ died to redeem you and restore you into right relationship with God, the father, which allows us then to be authentic, which allows us then to live the life that he's given us. So, um, I think they're all important, but for me, I think it starts with us recognizing that we've been redeemed and restored.
0: Mm, love it. Well, Keith Oglesby, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're a busy person. I know you've got a lot on your plate. and I know, That's okay. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Awesome. Until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 1145 AM Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. (laughs) And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. You're telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.